Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the CarCast. This one is episode 73 in a rainy, waterlogged DFW area downtown right now, but we'll be driving all over the Metroplex on the way home of the CarCast. I'm Owen Newkirk, driving in this soppy madness, which is already a bad idea, Sean Shapiro, he will be... uh, our boat captain tonight we do hope that if you are listening to this that you've made it home safely and not floating somewhere down river as the stars win game four of the second round i don't know if it's officially called the division final or the western conference semifinal. it really isn't it's just the second round yeah but the easier, stars win it's just easier to call it round two round two four to two win over the blues series tied at two apiece and we have a series we have a series, and the uh, it goes back to one of the things that uh, Jim Montgomery has used as a mantra throughout the playoffs that I think kind of really applied going into tonight, and you think about the thought process going into this game four, is every time you win a game, you buy yourself another game. And by doing so tonight, they bought themselves, there will be a home, home game. game. There will be another home game, which will be quite big. Um, which either will be... It'll be an elimination game. It'll be an elimination yep. game at home. and that is Whether it's for or against yes. Dallas is yet to be determined. Yes. And so that's... Uh, and I know it's, it's, it's an obvious statement, but I think it gets over... I don't... We were talking about actually on the right down. Talking about the number of games in the series. Yeah, the, but we were. Talking, it's not. It, it's not understating this. You no. you need to make the obvious math yeah. conversation here. Yeah, game four is a huge game in any series. I. It, it's one of those things where, as obvious as it might sound, it's either it's either a game that really defines a series. It could be one where, in the most rare case, the team sweeps. There are um, three possibilities. Yeah, yeah. There are only three. Yes for a game four in a best of seven. You either have the 3-0 chance for a sweep where a team either stays alive or gets sent packing, which we saw twice in the yeah. first round. And that's sort of the outlier. Yeah. Because game four isn't necessarily the most important game yeah. in the series where one team has won three in a row. Yeah. What is shocking is Carolina has yes. just put the Islanders on the brink, and they'll have a game four chance to sweep, which yes. is crazy. But the other one is, is that the, the other possibilities are – the teams have split the first two. Somebody won game three and now, or one team wins the first two, either home or away, and then game three, the other team yeah. wins. Here's the thing, Sean. In either of those two scenarios, you are going into game four in a two-to-one, which is the most common yeah. game four is teams are up, one is up two, the other is down, yeah. and it sets up this scenario. Yeah, and so you're, and, and it sets up a scenario where this game four either really defines the series, where one team takes a 3-1 lead. and Which really is a commanding lead. Commanding lead, and you can flip the script, but it makes it very hard to flip the script, or you reset everything almost, where you basically, it becomes 2-2, it launches a three-game mini-series, where it's it's home, home at home. It's 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 three alternating sites, and it really it changes it, doesn't it? And it changes it everything. Two, two. And and it's a situation where both teams can feel good typically going into. Well, I've, both teams have typically have positive feelings going into a game five when it's two two because, because you realize right. you have a chance and an opportunity to take control. Yeah. So either yeah. The, the 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 two scenarios there is for feeling good. One is the home team says okay. 
we either got home ice back or everybody's held serve. Yes. And the road team is saying, we've got a shot to win this thing. Yeah. And th- here's the thing about being the road team as the stars are in this series. Game five is all on St. Louis as far as the pressure goes. Yeah. Sure, Dallas wants to win it so that they can have a chance for a game six elimination. But what you really do is St. Louis has to win or they're facing the brink on the road. Whereas the Stars go into Game 5 saying, well, we have a home game, so all we need to do is find a way to win one of two in St. Louis. Yeah. So I think the Blues have got, and plus the Blues lost Game 4, the Stars were the more desperate team. I think the, the pressure, the onus goes squarely on St. Louis' the shoulders. Yeah, and there's the buzzword for this series, desperate. It is. Everyone, each coach, and I guarantee you at the end of Game 5, the team that is more, the team that has more won desperation. Will, will be, have been more desperate and the team that have lost. Well, that was an impressive lightning that was strike. a huge lightning bolt across yeah, the sky. The team that more lost, of those fireworks. Yeah, the team that lost Game 5 will be looking for more desperation in Game 6. Desperation is the buzzword. Um, the team that loses Game 5 will naturally have more desperation yes. because they'll be up against the wall. Yes. The one thing that happened tonight, Sean, that we haven't seen in the first seven meetings of the regular season and playoffs, this was number eight, yep. is that the team that scored the first goal did not win, and we had a lead change for the first time in yeah. the season series, which I think was quite remarkable. The one thing that held true, though, was the first team that got to three goals won the game. Yeah. And that would be the Dallas Stars. They started really well. Um, yeah, they were right on them. They started really well. The first period, they came out up 2-1 at the end, and they let up the first goal, but they really... The power play early on, the penalty to yeah. Dickinson for high sticking which I didn't realize was so delicate until seeing a couple replays after the game. There wasn't a whole lot in that. I thought it was pretty clear was, at the time, but it I, didn't I, seem like there was it was it I wasn't a blatant high stick. I didn't have a problem with the penalty. His stick made contact with the player's head. It it's, it glanced off the helmet, right? Yeah, so I, I didn't have a problem right. with the penalty. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean the interesting thing to me though is what the, how the refs because I thought it was going to be a tightly called game when they called it that way, and then they called the pick play against St. Louis, which refs hardly ever call. Actually, it's the right call. It's the right call, yeah. But it was two. But right, they don't call it. It, a it lot. was two right calls, but it was two very by the book, very. It's ones that they could easily have let yes, go, yes. which is why it's so surprising that they then didn't call the slash. Yes, by exactly. Piranha and Bishop, you go. Well, you've been calling this yes. pretty. Uh, for the most part, other than that one play on Bishop, I didn't think the officials did anything wrong. I was fine with their game. Yeah. Um, but that power play changed things because the uh, the Blues get the quick goal, and now the Stars are kind of on their heels after really having a good start. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't let it. Uh, so the Blues score on that power play. Uh, Tarasenko scores a play that. Good shot. The best good goal. shot location, but not the uh, as far as. Good shot location as far as St. Louis getting that t- level of player, that shot in that spot. But he had a lane. He had a lane, but Bishop to me kind Didn't of. Didn't it look like he anticipated the shot going to his far side? Yeah, he kind of changed. It had, looked like he was leaning as he went to his butterfly yeah. to the right, and the shot went near side left. Yes. So maybe he's anticipating or reading that, saying he's going to shoot my blocker side. Yes. Trying to cross me up, and so as he leans, he gets beat short side. Yes. But that was really... That was the lone blemish on a first period that was really good. Yeah. Uh, and so then score twice they then. get the Dickinson goal, which was set up by Sagan's work around the net. 
but really, but it all starts with Dickinson keeping that puck in the zone. Yes. Uh, good work by Sagan and Dickinson to really create that opportunity. And then they get the power play, and Jason Spezza just cranks one in. It, yeah. it looked like it went off of Bomeister and in. Credit for Spezza for two things. One, putting a ton of heat on it. Two, Sean, he actually kept it below the crossbar. That's been an issue with some of his shooting attempts yeah. lately is he's gotten great looks and gone for that top corner and missed high. Yeah. That's a big goal for Jason Spezza. Yes, it is. Because that's why that's a big part of why he's on the fourth line and not sitting in the stands right now is his ability to create offense on the power play. Yeah. Uh, and he did tonight. So Stars come out 2-1 out of the uh, first period. They, I thought the second period, those before the game tonight, Jim Montgomery flipped his top two centers. He, he flipped uh, Rope Hintz and uh, Tyler Sagan. He put uh, Hintz was with Ben and Radulov. Sagan was with Dickinson and Zuccarello. I thought it was a switch that worked pretty well. Boy, did it ever. Both um, lines get goals. Yeah, and, then, and that's what happens in the second period. You have the... Uh, it's a goal scored by it's a goal scored by Klingberg, but uh, what a what a yeah. rush up by Klinger too. But takes the corner. Good setup by the Sagan line, really getting things going, getting to the net, getting traffic. I have uh, to go back and look at it, Sean. I thought for sure that it was Zuccarello was the pass across to Klingberg that set up the goal, but he was given the secondary assist. So I'll have to go back and watch it yeah. again. But I swear Zuccarello was the one that threw it across. I think Sagan got it. Yeah. Maybe he got a piece. Maybe it hit, deflected off him or Maybe, something. But, but I, anyway, that that was a big goal, Sean, because it gave him a two-goal lead, which in this series is just about church. Yeah, and that's that's the two-goal lead that made it 3-1. Um, then, um, and before the Stars score their fourth goal, there's the slash behind the... No, no. Nope. nope, you're you're out of order on this one. I am. David Perron on the rush hits the inside oh, yes, of the yes, left yeah, post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have made it 3-2, to two, yeah. and that would have really changed this game. Yes. Would have lifted the Blues, kept them within a goal, but he does it. He hits the post, misses, what, an inch? It's in? Yeah. And then, the, the, what a transition goal. Later in this, it wasn't right on yeah, the yeah. sequence, but Radulov, Ben, Hintz, and they just picked the Blues apart on the yeah. rush. Yeah, which... Was- St. Louis doesn't let that happen very much. No, no, they don't. It's but that's what happens when you attack with speed and you execute precision puck movement, right? I, I, I gotta say, I mean, we, I've written about him, we've talked about him, but, and I don't. Rope hints. Are, are we looking at a superstar in the making? Um, I mean, I, if I, he can maintain yeah. what he's done, yes. But it certainly seems as though a. I don't know if I'm ready to say superstar yet. I just don't want to. To jump the gun too early, yeah, and, and but I don't, he he has all the makings of a really special player. And I and I'm even hesitant to say superstar in the making, but it's his play in the playoffs and down the stretch, it's been that good. One of his issues is consistency. Yes, scoring regularly, not just being impactful. I didn't think he was very good in game three. He was just okay, yeah. He, right, yeah. and if you want to be a superstar, you have to be very good a lot of times, right? And I didn't think he, he looked like he had as much speed and as much energy on Monday. Tonight, he brought it early and often and was just flying around the ends. Yeah. And that's the 4-1 goal, and then we go to the end. Then, of the yep. after that goal, now I'll set you up. Go started David. with David Perron. Yes, David Perron. Well, that David Perron slash actually happened before the 4-1 goal. 
I disagree. No, I think it happened after. No, we checked on Twitter. Oh, did it? Yeah. On Twitter. We, uh, as, 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 as a, as a group Humanity's of, history As lesson. a group of scribes, we all went and checked the slash, okay. on, the slash from Paran on Bishop happened before the Okay, well, I scribbled it down yeah. as a reminder after, maybe it's because I was watching the yeah. replay about yeah. it, but, um, um okay. But essentially, the, 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 the nastiness starts with Paran slashing Bishop in the back. Basically, two hands him in the back. Should have been called. Should have been called. Um, and then the end of the period. And then the end of the period where Jamie Benn and Jordan Bennington get into it. Um, some words are exchanged. Some sho- shoves and light punches are exchanged. People come together. And Did you say light punch? I thought it was a pretty good left hook with the catching glove oh, to the side ahead. I mean, that to me that was more than a a little love tap. Yes. No. It was. It was. And that was. You know what? I'm, that wasn't surprising to me, considering... <laughs> You've seen the history. I've seen the history of Jordan Bennington, and, and what, it, what, it, what it said most... Well, let's finish. That, that breaks up, and then Bennington, while skating to the, uh, to the Blues locker room, stops to take a hack at Ben Bishop, who's right in front of the Stars' bench. Because they have to crisscross yes. to get to their respective yeah, and benches. And basically slashes Ben Bishop's stick. And it was a really poorly... Dis- uh, Poor decision on Bennington's part to lose his head like he did. Yes. But Sean, the stars did not make him pay for it. But Look here, there is a storyline that before, continues. Before, so before we talk about what happens after, okay, okay. let's let's you, you, you fast forward too quickly. I am. So Bennington slashes Bishop's stick. The refs actually saw it and right, actually get, give, two, get him two minor penalties. Give him a double minor. Uh, they give Jamie a, a two-minute yeah, penalty, for, so, for, for, for they, so it's a five-on-four to start the third. Once again, you're, you're fast-forwarding. I am. The most important thing here is what it represents, because for 30 regular season games, for all of the first round against Winnipeg, even for the start of this season, the thing we've always been told about Bennington and the storyline out of St. Louis, and it's been deserved by his NHL play, yes. has been how stoic and calm this rookie is. Nothing, nothing gets to him. His, he's extremely calm. Nothing bothers him. He's the cool cucumber that doesn't really care about. He doesn't let and anything. And you know from past yeah. experience that that's not the case. That is not the case. Jordan Bennington is a is a he is a very fiery competitor, um, who does a good job of channeling it when he's playing well into being a very calm front and a calm demeanor, and that's good. But when he is having a uh, when he's had a rough game or his team has left him out to dry or or anything on the line, he kind of wants his pound of flesh. And we saw it back in November when he was still playing with the San Antonio Rampage against the Texas Stars, a game where Texas absolutely lit San Antonio up. And Bennington goes out of his way; he slashes Joel Esperance and challenges the entire Texas uh, bench to a fight. Um, and you look back, and he did it in when he played in Providence. He did it when he played in Chicago. And there is a there's a switch for Jordan Bennington that um, is part of the scouting report and should be part of the scouting report. If you get to him, you you can get if if you get to him, you can get to him on a mental level as well. And he'll lose his composure. Yes, and that's what he did. Now. As you said, in the third period, the Stars did not make him pay. The Stars really kind of sat back a little bit. That power left. play was dreadful. That power play was dreadful. But you know what, Sean? Uh, Monty made a comment in the postgame show that I think merited a very important notice. The Blues regrouped well they after yes. looking like they were unraveling. Yes. The Blues did regroup well. Um, now, they didn't win the game, and they didn't create much, but yes. 
that's a stop up there. So yeah, just being careful here. Just trying to watch out for a truck over here. That I don't want it to hydroplane into us. Yeah. Well, we don't want to hit the fire truck that's yeah. in the lane either. We have a couple of first responders here with Ooh. a car that looks like it may have been hit on two fronts or maybe yeah. spun out and smashed front end and back. I yeah, hope everyone's all right. Yeah. So the stars don't make him pay, and the power play, they only have five shots in the third period. Um, only had one quality chance. Only it was Sagan's slap shot on the rush. Yeah. Which, by the way, just a quick side note on that. I'm glad he shot that because he was racing down the wing. He had Radulov right behind him. How many times have you seen them try to cutely drop it and look for two or three passes and not get a shot at all? Yeah, no, I, I, I was like, fine with that. I, I like the way it was handled. Rip it. Yeah. Um, and then the only guy who created any quality chance for the Blues in the third period was their goal scorer, Robert Thomas. Yes. He tipped the bomb by Pareko on their uh, power play. I actually thought it looked like a bit of a high stick, but he actually got a piece of it on the replay. And then he had two good looks, including the goal. He was by far, Sean, their best play, their best forward tonight. He's a good player. He's 19, I think he's 19. He's, he might be 20. Like He's a good he's player. He's a teenager that looks – he's a first-round pick. And he, you know what he reminds me of? A rookie Robbie Fabry from 2016. Oh, yeah, that's a good comparison. When, where he was dynamic and fast and threatening. I think Thomas may have a bit of a higher ceiling. Yes, yes. But – Boy, he – you could see it coming throughout the night. It was like, if he doesn't finish with a goal, you'd be really surprised. And so, he got one. He scores. That, that cuts it to 4-2. But that was it. Nothing was else. It. Nothing else really happened. Uh, Stars win. They tie it up. Uh, big game five. Really big game. Big game five on Friday night. Uh, we have a start time for Sunday, 2 o'clock. Yes, and we all rejoice. We all rejoice. Because there's two games on the TV guide. Yes. For NBC and NBCSN. Yes. There was the 3 o'clock on the big net, net, network, and then there's the, what, 6.30 Central Time? Uh, I believe so, yes. And that wouldn't have been bad, but let's get that 2 o'clock game in there. Oh, yeah. And so they're going to do that. Let's play all games at 2. Every game at yeah, 2. Yeah, I love it. And you get you might get a, a lunch-brunch kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Possibly. So, yeah. here's the question for you. One of the most intriguing matchups in Game 4 tonight turned out to be third line versus third line. It was by far the Maroon, Bozak, and Thomas line was the most effective and dangerous for St. Louis. Wow. That was was, was like six in a row. Yeah. Um, We're we're getting quite the view here in big sky country in Texas. I know that's Montana, but some (laughs) open skies to see some big storms here. Um, They were really good, and obviously Maroon is is a handful to deal with. And the Stars' most effective line at dealing with it was the FCC line, Fox, Como, and Cogliano. And here's my question, Sean, as we look ahead to Game 5, and then we'll get to the lightning round. Does Craig Berube like that and say, fine, we'll let them go head-to-head? Because it was at the beginning of the series, it was Fox is going to see O'Reilly. Yeah. I don't think so. I think think St. Louis is going to try to get the Maroon line away from the Fox line so that they have – because that might cause problems if you have the stars well, yeah, top I, six out there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, no, and I think the. Uh, but the, I like what Monty did with the switch of the, the groups up front tonight. Yes, I did too. Right, let's get to the lightning round. All right, to the lightning round we had. Uh, by the way, just a quick parenthetical footnote, which works really well on a podcast or a car cast. Okay. Is we had an attempt, and I'm going to have to dig it back out. And you know where I'm going with this. Goodness. Um, that's not even the first one. We have Crawdaddy. There it is. Nope. 
Or is it? Yes, he is. A day ago. A day ago. Well, it says one day ago because we're now past. Yeah, it's. it's it was it's, from this afternoon. It's Thursday. Or, right? I, I think I came in an early afternoon. Okay. Crawdaddy writes in, I'm going for the record of earliest submission. Did Jim Montgomery exceed expectations of a first-year head coach? If so, what's the next step for him? I love the car cast. Thank you for trying to be the new record yes. of the earliest car cast submission, which it was what? It, two o'clock? Yeah, it's pretty Give good. Take? It was during the Champions League game this afternoon, so. Yeah. What is the expectation for Jim Montgomery? Did he exceed it in his first year? Uh, the fact that they're in the second round. I think the expectation was to make the playoffs. Yes. That's what I think. I think there was no, not that. Not that he would not lose his job Necess- uh, if they didn't make the playoffs. Correct. Especially with the way this year went. Especially with a four-year contract, too. But the concern, Sean, and we can go back to this. Now, we're getting side- sidetracked here. Jim No probably loses his job if the Stars miss the playoffs Correct. this year. If a new GM comes in, which, of course, it would, he, he would because you're not going to just leave it empty, you have the problem of a coach that's under contract for three more years but with a GM who didn't hire him. That doesn't mean they can't work together and find you know a way to cohabitate, but... It usually doesn't work as well when the GM in charge of things doesn't have the coach that he wants in place. Correct. So it could have caused all kinds of organizational problems. Yes. And if you look at the difference, they make the playoffs. Jim Neal's job is safe for now. The team and bandwagon exposure, the fact that they're in the second round and getting all this. I mean, things are really coming up well. They sold out the Winter Classic. Yep. I mean, the difference this could have veered drastically yeah, I, I, has I, really been something. I think if you take a look at expect, expectation was to make the playoffs, and I think by being in the second round, you're you're already past what the expectation was, but as far as realistic from the outside, but obviously the internal expectation is the same thing they put on the board every year, is to be playing until June 8th or 9th or whatever it is. The expectation and, is to yeah. get in the playoffs and see where you go. Yes. Um, the expectation in 2015-16 was win around. We haven't done that in a while. And then see where we go. They were a game seven away from the conference final. I thought they would have beaten the Sharks. And then you you see the Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. the Stanley Cup final. That would have been something. Um, Jeff Lyles, can you beat conversation strangler Stevens? Me, he's trying th- trying to throw a shot at me oh. for jumping in. By the way, Jeff, I would like to point out that Sean is an adult who has plenty of his own thoughts and is more than capable of holding his own in a conversation with me. We've done this for years. Not necessarily recorded it, but uh, you have never, in I, I, in the conversations we've had, been unable to get your point across. You just ramble a lot. Uh, I would like to say I keep the conversation going. That's a nice way of saying rambling. Do we really want to get into this? No. All right. Um, so there was that. But he uh, wanted to know, that that wasn't actually his question. He wanted to know if if you could beat me in an arm wrestling match, <laughs> I don't. I'm probably gonna concede on that one. I don't think it's. I do have you by a few pounds. Yeah. It's not. I don't know if we're in the same weight class. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll take the the victory. <laughs> Shani writes, which stars player is most likely to do the Arya Stark, not today move as a Selly? Follow up. Can you ask? said player to do it for the children for the children because this uh 
How was his little cross? This quote tweet is the army player gif of doing, dropping the, the lacrosse stick from the yeah. top hand to the bottom hand and stabbing the Night King. Yeah. Which you can see in our podcast, CarCast listeners can't. Yes. Uh, who's most likely to do that? I have one answer for that. Alexander Radulov. I don't know if he's a Game of Thrones fan, but if anybody would do an outlandish and aggressive, passionate celebration, it's Radulov. Probably. Um, Will we ask him to do it? No. Because he's he doesn't he's yes. not exactly having uh, a lot of love with the media these days. No, he's not. So I'll I'll leave that alone. Yes. Joe Walton, do you see Dallas going after William Nylander? Uh, By the way, I was ye- yelling over the car noise and the rain, and then we're at a red light, and so it got real quiet. Yes. <laughs> and I was still yelling. Uh, going after William Nylander, I, I, I don't, because I don't think William Nylander is getting moved. Um, I also, it's I am not in a thinking about postseason moves mood right now anyway, because... Because we're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. That's for Toronto to worry about right now. So I, I don't see the Stars going after Neil. No, Lander. I don't. Uh, there, is, uh, there would be a question, Sean, if um, if Zuccarello doesn't resign, because there would be there would be an opening in the top six. Yes. That I don't think you have an internal fill for no. right now. No. Uh, but I don't. I don't see. I don't see that. I also don't see the Stars willing to part with the cost to get William Nylander. And if they really wanted to go after Nylander, I would have thought they might have tried to trade for him. And they, they don't have the assets to trade for him. Not the ones that Toronto maybe would yeah. have wanted. Especially so. since those assets are tied up in Zuccarello. That's right. Now, Galapagos, Dr. Dash. CarCast today is the 20th anniversary of the first episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. This thread upon, up on my timeline comparing Stars players to SpongeBob characters. I'm wondering what you all thought about those. So we'd have to go through the thread. I don't really want to do that tonight, Gus. Not with this late, not this late at night. Because it takes too long. But I will ask you this, Sean. It is, it is an anniversary. I did not watch SpongeBob as a kid for two reasons. One, I think it was a little before me when I was that age. And we didn't have cable, so I didn't get Nickelodeon. So I watched NBC, ABC, CBS, and PBS were the four channels that we had until – because. We didn't live our drive. My parents' driveway, which had a couple houses on it, was about a couple tenths of a mile long. Didn't have the cable line on it. We would have had to pay to run the cable from the street down that driveway, and it was kind of some absurd amount of money. So we had rabbit ears until I was in high school when we got Directv. Uh-huh. So there's my story. Any uh, SpongeBob stories or anecdotes? Um, I, I remember my sister really enjoyed it. It was a show that my sister watched a lot. Your sister, of course, is younger. She's younger, yeah. Um, and we had Nickelodeon, and we we would watch. It wasn't um, SpongeBob's funny, and I enjoyed episodes of SpongeBob, but it was. Uh, I don't really have any really great SpongeBob memories. No nostalgic moments. Yeah. If you can you can punt on this. We're okay. Yeah. We got lots more to get to. Yeah. Um, Galvagus also tweeted at us uh, saying at least one more car cast for Game Six. That's nice. Yes. AJ writes in, didn't notice Hanley out there. Nothing spectacular, nothing horrible. Does this performance earn him a lineup spot in Game 5? Well, his performance is not what earns him a spot or not. It's the health of Jamie Alexiak's... Jamie Alexiak. His performance was... I I, I agree, but I will say this. He played very well. Yes. And by you not noticing him, that means that he was doing his job. I actually noticed him because I was looking for some specific things. His performance, here's what his performance is. His performance, as long as Jamie Alexiak is is injured, he earned another game. 
Well, yeah, he's in. If 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 no one if he's Fadun's not going to replace no, him. No, Fadun is not replacing him. And the other thing he earned himself is there is not the outside prep. The coaching staff now doesn't feel that they would have to potentially rush Alexiak back. That's right. If he had struggled tonight mightily, the then coach- you go. God, neither one of these yes. guys is getting it done. Yes. Did you notice the play in the third period on Tarasenko uh, that Hanley had? I, so Tarasenko gains the offensive zone. Hanley's the guy on that left side with speed. Tarasenko tries to do the same move he did on Miro Haskin and back in St. Louis, which is try to gain the, cor- the, the corner, lean, and drive the front of the net rather than get forced behind. Hanley has the stick in the right position to not let that happen and doesn't get pushed away and ends up driving Tarasenko behind the goal. By the way, he's giving up size and weight. Yeah, he is. And I went, that's a fabulous play. It doesn't get on the score sheet, but he essentially kept the most dangerous offensive shooter of the Blues from the front of Ben Bishop's net. Yeah, no, he it was, was a great play. And he was good tonight, and the, he was not noticeable unless you were looking for him, and that's the best thing Joel Hanley could have done. And good for him, and also pretty did, he, did a nice job for a guy who hasn't played since I think April 12th was Texas's last game. So pretty good stepping in. And after, yeah, after, I mean, he's been practicing with the big team, not yes. with the Black Aces, ever since they came in. Yeah. They replaced Julius Honka with... Bayreuther and Hanley. I think that's helped. He's been part yes. of the traveling team. Yes. Right? To be a little bit more engaged because we really haven't seen much of the Black Aces. No, we haven't. Um, Freebie writes in, where do, you, where do you prefer your officiating? Type by the book games or letting them play? I like either option, but it feels like it's been all over during the series. I just want it to be consistent. And I had a conversation, I had a really good conversation with somebody about, a couple, couple people about this tonight in the press box, and an idea someone had brought up that I hadn't thought about. And the question was, why don't we assign the same two officials to the entire series? Right. Why don't we have we, – they don't right now. It, it, could, it could be two – it will be probably be two I, different officials. Completely. I think I have an answer for that, but it's my own guess. It's yeah, not a – But here's why – let me make my case for yeah. why it should be. Because that way it's the same officials for the entire series. It's the same officials that get to know the teams. The teams get to know the officials. You get some continuity. Yes, and there's continuity on what will likely be called in game one, will likely be called in game six or game seven. Here's why the NHL doesn't want to do that, in my guesstimation. They like to avoid having it appear that there's some sort of carryover from one game to the next as far as this referee called this, so now somebody's mad about it. Now he either has pressure to make it up in that game or the next game or you know, there, that becomes a storyline, whereas if the referees are different from game to game, it really wipes the slate clean. So, Sean, I grew up watching a lot of college hockey because uh, the University of Maine was both very good and very close. Yes. They would always have the same referees for the two games back-to-back weekend sets because, you know, up in Maine, it was the it was sort of the farthest drive of hockey east, right? The Boston area teams could play one game and then go to another one because it's, what, 30 minutes or less? Yeah. Maine was a few hours busing up, so they would come up and play Friday, Saturdays. And so the officials, of course, would come up and do the games that weekend. So you'd get the same guys. And obviously with the... the um, the emotion, right, the intensity picking up, especially the second night, was always a little bit nastier mm-hmm. as far as the hitting and the extracurriculars. So people would get on the officials a lot more, too. And back in those days, the last names were also on the back of the referees' jerseys, too. So the fans would really get to know who was out there and it's start yelling touch. at them. 
I liked it. Um, but my answer on the officiating is is that I, consistency is what you want. But if I were to choose, I would prefer by the book because I it drives me nuts that a, a penalty that is in the rule book doesn't get called because it's a playoff game versus a regular season game, first period, third period. Call the game the same way the whole time, obviously consistently. But if it's a penalty in the preseason, it should be a penalty in the playoffs. Yes. That's my, my idealistic. It doesn't happen, but a penalty should be a penalty regardless of the time of the game. Correct. Uh, Jordan Harper, are you able to confirm 24 contract status going into next year? I think he's talking about Rope Hintz. What do you mean about his contract status? He wants you to confirm it. That he has a contract for next season? I mean, he he's, already has, he's already under contract for next season. He's He still is within his RFA period, too. So yeah. it's not as though he suddenly is out of it and you don't have him. Yeah. I believe he still has another year on his ELC. If it's not, then he has RFA. Either way, it's not. Uh, Stars have control. Yeah. Uh, Dallas I believe Nelson. it's another year in the ELC. Dallas Nelson. Outside of the Stars winning, is there anything better than Dobby on the bench doing what he does? Also, never saw the clip of him making a crying motion to the Blues bench. Anyone have it? I don't know if anyone has the clip because it's just something that I saw. I don't think anyone had the camera focused on him. And the fact we don't have a camera. Why wasn't the camera on Hudobin? And that's, that's, well, he's, he's TV gold every night. And the fact that there was no camera on the... Uh, on, on that scrum? On, 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 Benning, no, on Bennington slashing Bishop. Yes. The fact that there's no good angle of that, yeah, that, te- that tells you how there's no camera angle of of Hudobin during all of that. Right. Because so. otherwise it would have been right in front of him. Yeah. Uh, Court says, you all be careful in that rain. Question, was it the little love tap on Bennington's pads that they called him sportsmanlike on Jamie? It wasn't on his pads. Well, go ahead. I mean, Jamie cup-checked him. Meaning he took the stick and yeah. <laughs> it went between the legs. Yeah. I mean, it was he, he got him with the stick there. It wasn't, I mean... To be fair, Jamie earned Jamie earned what he got. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I thought that they, uh, you know, fi- referees did a fine job on that. It yeah. was the Perron one that I didn't like. Yeah. Andrew writes in, really liked how Monty switched up between the two top lines. And what are your thoughts about the changes and how they impact the game? Should we s- expect to see the same lineup in Game 5? We already talked about the impact. What do you think about Game 5 lineup? I think you stick with it to start, and then you uh, always go back to the you can big always, three. You can always go back to the big three, yeah. But I like it because, uh, like I said before, Sean, with the Stars wanting to get the Foxa line out on the Maroon, Bozak, and Thomas line, who which was a very effective, it's going to give St. Louis some problems as to decide what their ideal matchup is. They have the last change. I still think they might be trying to get Maroon out against somebody other than the FCC guys. Yeah. You're really pushing for that nickname. Yeah, well, why not? It's fun. Somebody else uh, called in and said we should call him the CCR line, like Creedence Clearwater Revival, because Cogliano, Como, and Radic. I don't like that as much. FCC's funny, and they're a shutdown line. And, of course, uh, us uh, broadcasters know the FCC can come in and shut you down at any time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa writes in, will Hanley and Pitlick remain in the lineup for Friday? Submitting this before Monty's press conference, so unsure if Yanmark was really just scratched or if there was some other issue. So, Yanmark, according to what we were told, is a healthy scratch. Um, I still think he's still dealing with injury issues. I saw him in a walking boot after the game. Um, 
He is, uh, so, now, Tyler Pili played five minutes. If, if Yanmark's healthy, and when, yeah, I, I think Yanmark's back in. So, they said it was a coach's decision before the game. Mm-hmm. You believe that? Yanmark uh, looked like he was playing this morning. At, I talked to him in the locker room. Here's what I believe. My belief is that Yanmark could have played. But it was a coach's decision of, are you at 100%? Or, or is something bothering you? Yes. Because he's he's been a really big part of their penalty kill. Yes. Plays a ton of minutes. Created the shorthanded goal for Cogliano. Uh, it, that was a surprise. Now, uh, Pitlick came in, and the one thing about Pitlick's game I, I will credit, he, at every opportunity, didn't play a lot, but at every opportunity he went for the body. He did what I think the Stars wanted him to do and what he needed to do, which is to ratchet up his physical game. Yeah. Uh, we only played five minutes. Yeah. I mean, that fourth line didn't play a ton. But he doesn't play special teams, so Dallin and Spezza still got their minutes on special teams. Uh, Shane writes in, check out the hashtag Bennington Facts. It's amazing. Uh, I looked at it briefly. It's kind of like the Corey Perry facts, oh, okay. stuff we used to see. Yeah. Um, you know things of people on Twitter making fun of or disparaging Bennington and his character. So uh, if you want to check it out, it's kind of funny, but you know, uh, Stefan writes in, do you guys have any insight on why Hitch scratched Dickinson so much last season? I know he improved quite a bit and the Calder cup run helped a lot and looking at how well Dickinson or, but looking at how well he's doing just that boggles the mind. Never understood it last season either. Cause Hitch didn't trust young players in general, in general. That's really it. Hitch didn't trust young players and, one of the reasons that the Stars... Except for Devin Shore. Yeah, but one of the reasons the Stars didn't make a trade at the deadline last year, one of the reasons was there was conversation about, okay, Jason Dickinson can... can uh, is this and that and everything like that, and he can help us take fill the role that Martin Hansel had... And when Jason Dickinson wasn't who Martin Hansel was, which is an unfair expectation. No, it's they're different players. Hitch held it against Jason Dickinson, and basically rather than changing the setup to help Dickinson succeed, it was trying to force a square peg in a round yes, hole. Yes, but that's that's uh, that's in the past. I mean, that I I know we I give players grief for saying that's in the past because things in the past we learn from. But really, it was Dickinson took major strides last year, and he's taken major strides throughout this season, and he just. He had a coach last year that didn't trust him. Yep. Well, and that's, you know, to overcome that is, I think, good from the mental side of things. Yeah. Brad wants to know, is Monty one of the better coaches at making adjustments in the NHL? He always seems to make the right moves when the team needs it most. The new lines look great tonight. Is he one of the better coaches in the NHL? Uh, that's kind of... I don't, that's I don't, hard to, to measure, but he has shown... To have his finger on the pulse of this team, I'll, I'll, I'll quite say a bit. I'll say this: He's done a really good job since the All Star break of what this team needs to be. Um, I think there are things where you can be critical, and I think there are things and areas he still needs to improve on in certain things. Uh, like for example, there's times um, I sometimes wonder why there'll be an offensive zone faceoff, and the other team will be after an icing, and he won't put the big line out. There's just there's certain times where I would like to see more blood in the water go after. He actually did it. You know, he actually did it more in in game uh, in game three, where you were seeing way more of that Klingberg Heiskanen top mm-hmm. line all loaded up. He um, did do it a couple times tonight, where he put Spezza out to take the face off. Yeah. With not the his fourth line, and 
Um, like yeah, he, he's done a good job. I think he's. I think he's got room for improvement as any first year coach would be, and yeah. I think he's gotten a lot better at reading his NHL team than he ever did at the early part of the year because he'd never done it before. Yes. Aaron writes in from uh, Defending Big D. She wants to know most donkey like Blues and Stars players tonight. The Stars most donkey like has got to be Jamie Ben for the penalty on Bennington, right? Yeah. And he sat on Petrangelo again. That was uh, a notable image. Yeah. Um, it's Bennington oh, is. Is it after two already? Yeah. Son of a. Oh. It's Bennington is close, but it's Perron. The two hand slash to the back of the. That's the worst for me. Yeah. Yep. And then the way he tried to defend it after the game. Where he says he's a big. Perron's quote after the game was, uh, he's, "I was trying to stop him from making a play. He's big. He's six six. It's actually six seven. And stopping a, there, you should never two hand a guy. Period. Right? Slashing a guy with two hands like that. There's no business of doing that no, at all. No, it's just like it, especially it's, to a goalie who's not eligible to be checked, and to do it in a place where you know there is no protective padding yeah. at all." Um, Ardell wrote in a question. I just wanted to acknowledge that he did because it was he's talking about rope. Yeah. We already did some rope talk. So okay, yeah. that is our lightning round, and we'd like to thank you all for your time, your listening, and yeah, we did make it through the, the rain. Fortunately, the ra- the heavy rains came and went while we were still at the AAC. Yeah, Sean, it's uh it's exciting times. Game five in St. Louis on Friday night. It's a late one. You'll be at off to St. Louis tomorrow. Um, we'll be doing our ticket broadcast starting at seven on Friday. For those who, uh, those are listening just because people, uh, no practice in Frisco tomorrow, no practice anywhere tomorrow. So nothing to go watch. Um, take a day off, get yourself ready for game five on Friday and game six on Sunday afternoon. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.